They have cuss words in Wakanda. Be advised. Hey y'all, I'm Jen. I'm from Oakland and I'm a queer black feminist scholar. This is Darren, hailing from the mean streets of Anaheim. I'm an introvert, a novelist, and a nerd. We're early 30-somethings with three kids and over a decade of marriage. This is a podcast about the realities of blackness and adult life. We do adult differently. This is That Black Couple. Hello. Hello. We're back. We are actually back. Oh my God, we are actually back. We did it. This is episode 31 of season two of That Black Couple. And we're talking about our favorite moments from the past two seasons. This is the looking back episode. I love when you, don't you just love when you watch a TV show and they do a looking back episode and you'd be sitting there like, I seen all those moments. Like I remember every single one. And you really be sitting there like, I know what my favorite one is. So that better make they the better list of the favorite it. things. They better pick it. They better pick it. They don't never pick mine because I'm weird. Like what do do you remember a, a a looking back episode from when you was a kid? The one I I remember. Don't say mine. Go. I remember Martin. Oh, I was gonna say Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, I was going to. Remember when he got married? <laughs> it was all nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Remember he dropped the light at the end of the show. Yeah, I mean, because that was mushy. I mean, the Ooh. Martin one was like the the funniest shit you ever heard. Like when they had oh my when they had Notorious B.I.G. on the, the funniest. Okay, what's your favorite Martin episode? What's your favorite Martin episode? How do you have a favorite Martin okay, episode? I do. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Well, you know, I I just said I think I think the Notorious B.I.G. episode was my favorite episode because it had Pam and Gina losing losing their minds on TV. Okay, okay, so maybe me and Patty Labelle with the wings. Maybe okay, you're right, you're right. I don't have a favorite episode, but I do have a favorite moment. What? That football baby. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, that shit took me all the way what, out. But what about the the toenail? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, when Gina got her head stuck in the headboard. <laughs> <laughs> I know Martin Martin been a little problematic over the years. He I know really, the, there's some you issues. You know, we know, we know, um. but also <laughs> I'm so, sorry. So, he put a funny show together. That's a funny motherfucking show. Okay. Yeah. That was a really funny Oh wow. And, and actually actually layers of funny. I mean, like we said, he's a little problematic, but yeah, pretty timelessly funny too. Like it's not something you look back and go, Oh, today. it's not that was cringeworthy yeah. now. You it, watch it today, still funny. Little still single, still funny. Still the same. Like, wow, we had some good shit growing up. Yeah. These youngsters don't even know. They don't even know. They don't even know. Okay, anyway. This is episode thirty one. You you didn't even tell them what to drink yet. I'm about to. Okay. Do you want to tell them? No, it's, that's all you. That's your job. Are you okay? I'm not. I don't get a check for that. So thank you. This is episode thirty-one of season two of That Black Couple. This is the looking back episode. Our favorite moments in the first two seasons. Have a seat. This is Jen. This is Darren. And I want y'all to get a drink. So we haven't been drinking that much no more. We had we had a moment during pandemic where we was drinking a little heavy, and now we're not drinking as much. I'm back to proseccos. Listen, I'm drinking Sprite and Coke and Coke. Yeah, maybe a ginger ale. Academic school year has started. Actually, let me not have y'all turn up on a weeknight. <laughs> just go, just go drink some tea. 
Okay. Calm your stomach. <laughs> and before we get started, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at that BLK couple. Follow us on Facebook at That Black Couple and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you already know that you can find us everywhere. Hold on. You already know. I would do it, but I would sound so foolish. I had to do it. I can't do it because I'm not going to embarrass myself. You already know. Uh, do it one more time. You already know. There you go. <laughs> like I said, you already know. We're on Google Play. We are on Apple iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on SoundCloud. We are everywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Add us to your list as one of your favorite podcasts there. Okay, Darren. Are you ready for this episode? I'm so ready. I'm so ready. And I know everyone listening is so ready, too, because we have some really good moments. It's time for our favorite moments. Okay, so if you were paying attention at the beginning of this episode and you hit play, you would have heard us in our perfect Wakandan (laughs) accents. Actually, it wasn't us. It was just me. It was just you because mine is... It was just me. mm. It was just me speaking Wakandan. And I said, they have cuss words in Wakanda. In Wakanda. In Wakanda. Please be advised. (laughs) And you know, you know, that is by far my favorite intro. You know, we work really hard, honestly, to have very unique intros to every single episode. We do. And I agree. That's one of my favorites because it just, I mean, wow. It sneaks up on you. Um, you don't see it coming. If you're looking away and someone hits the play button, you will spit all over your phone because mm-hmm. you've forgotten how funny that shit is. And there are some other moments like that there that are. we'll be covering today. There are. <laughs> and so that, I would just like to say, you know, that's my favorite, absolute favorite intro. And I'm so glad that I have such perfect Wakanda. Yours is pretty good. Mine means a little work. Yours is a little ashy. But I'm, I'm still very <laughs> proud of my Wakanda accent. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I need some moisturization. It could it could use some some ultra healing. It's okay. Yeah, definitely a Jergens level emergency. Yeah, a cocoa butter, coconut oil. Yeah, can Lizzo come sing about it? Come on, <laughs> help us. <laughs> Ari, Ari Linux. I really want Ari Linux to come help you. I mean, no, her she- song is about shea butter, huh? Yeah, Shea Butter Baby. I mean, if we get Shea Butter Baby and Cocoa Butter, I'm just saying, if we get all the thick booty black singers who sing about Shea Butter and Cocoa Butter over here to help you with your Wakandan accent, you should you should heal from that. Then they can put me in Black Panther shape. Yeah, they're all thick booties, just glorious bodies and skin. And glistening, and glistening. Just glowing and just really... Wow. And and then you know and then we just need uh, Angela Bassett to come over. With, and she just sprinkle a little bit of that, that water, that whatever that water is whatever that, that she drinks water. that keeps her seventeen. <laughs> you know, we have to keep going. Okay, this anyway, is be the longest episode. So what's next, Darren? Tell oh, me. Next, oh, this is this is the moment. This is one of my favorite moments. We're going to talk about our favorite drag. <laughs> now we have dragged a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of concepts, a lot of theories. Um, oh, but no. there are two, one for each of us that oh, kind of no. rose to the top. Oh no! And I'm I'm a little upset because I actually kind of feel like your favorite is kind of my favorite too. <laughs> if I'm being real, real honest, because it, it was exceptional and and we did it together. We did. We did. It, it like we, we got from point A to point B. We and, and, and it was it was majestic. It was. It was. It was. <laughs> So let's let's go ahead let's go ahead and listen to this one. This is from episode twenty six, 
which was titled Why We Aren't Rooting for Everybody Black. I just don't understand the joke. And then so what I'm realizing is that I think Kenya Barris is making a joke out of us. That's all I can come up with. I just feel like I'm the joke. No, no. I feel like actual black people who look like me, who grew up actual black and stayed black the whole time and then only played black people in in their dreams and in real life. I feel like we're the joke. No, you're missing it. You're missing it. I don't get it. You're missing it. Okay, help you're, me. The, this is the through line for all of Kenya Barris' shows. The, here's the through line. Yes. All of Kenya Barris' shows are from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And he is, you know, a, a wealthy black man who lives in wealthy spaces that are predominantly white. Yes. And he's the black face in the room. So yes. this is this is the story of, like, the black friend. It's like, say, if, instead of it being about the white people and, and there's a one black guy that's tagging along let's make the story about the black person <laughs> where there's white people all around yes and so that's that's the through line of all his shows is is he's the blackest person in the room because he's generally the only black oh, person oh i get it oh my god you helped me so much just now so, so when he says black as fuck he said he i'm means black that. as fuck when you say he, i'm it when he's oh my god it's like if you have one sprig of pepper in a whole bowl of salt, that looks yeah. like a lot of pepper, but it's just one. It's just one. So what you're saying is he's black as fuck because there's no other blackness right. in the room with which to reflect right. his non-blackness. Right. Which, to be honest, is why Rashida Jones fits You are on the so show. smart. I am so glad I married you. <laughs> oh, my God. I have been watching these shows for so long. It hit, it hit me at one point when I, I think oh I read something God. about how he's, how, it was when I read about Black as Fuck and where he was saying this is, he was, but he cast himself in the show because he's basically playing himself. I have no, I don't speak light-skinnedness. But here, but here's the thing. Here's I'm the not thing. from light-skinnedosha. But here, here's the thing. I didn't come from the aisle of the light-skins, you know? I've the never, I've never touched the shores of light skin city, you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> You know what I mean? But here's here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Yes. They always say, write what you know. And so, to a certain extent, you can't knock Kenya Barrett for mm. writing about... Let, let me finish. You can't knock him for writing about his experience. Here's my issue. is He did Blackish, and he did Grownish, and he oh, did... Oh, yeah, that one, too. Um, Mixed-ish, right? Are there he any other issues? Stuff. Are those the issues? No, those are all the issues. There's three issues. And then, and then he got that Netflix upgrade... And what he did is instead of expanding out, he, he just went said, inward. Right. Because <laughs> he's a boy. Because he's a sad nigga. Let's do it harder this time. <laughs> let's go harder. And he, he could have made a different choice. I'm telling you, when you say, I've never touched the shores. The <laughs> <laughs> white skin setting. <laughs> I don't know why I turned to a 1930s like detective. <laughs> <laughs> in a black and white film I see me in a hat with like mm-hmm. a feather on the side and mm-hmm. I feel it's like I'm looking through a window with a low shadow across my face and, and there's I'm some like, jazz music playing in the back I've never touched the shores <laughs> of light skin city I just this is what that's one thing it will never not be funny it will never not be funny it don't matter how many times I listen to that I'm gonna, I'm gonna die from laughing every single time you know I have to agree, and I'm embarrassed, low-key, um, but I will say, this is why I smoke weed before the show. <laughs> it's for moments like that. So y'all are welcome. Now, what I say, so let's let's move on to the other one. My, yes. This is the one that I picked as my favorite. And yes. 
And this is a good one. This is another good one. This is a good one. With you. This is a good one. It's another one that will never not be funny. It's it, it's oh, every time it gets me. It's from episode fourteen. That was from the season season two, um, and we were talking about the Oscars and all the different <laughs> Oscar nominees. Um, and this one. And all the shows we didn't see, and all the movies we didn't see, but we was gonna talk about them anyway. Yeah, and so what we did is we said, okay, we're gonna give you a quick synopsis of yeah. the movie, basically yeah. from you know, I think it was what whatever the, the official listing was, yeah. And then we did a, that black couple version, yeah. We just and it was hilarious. It. And then and in this one, we decided to talk about uh, the Shape of Water. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Octavia was, you know, the same character she is in every She's, movie. She was Octavia. You know, again. This, this could have been Hidden Figures. This could have been Zorg was Zorg. This could have been what was, what was the other movie? Uh, not Hunger Games, not Maze Runner. The Help. Oh, it could have been The Help. No, the other one with the uh, <laughs> which one with Shailene Woodley, As- Ascendant, Ascendants, In- Insurgents, Insurgent, whatever, <laughs> whichever one of those. It's the same Octavia. Straight to Vitergents. Oh, and the, and the same thing like straight when to Netflixergents. <laughs> <laughs> just like when octavia spencer was in that movie where she was playing god yeah i was gonna say that one it's i mean it's the same thing she got she got on flowy clothes and yeah. she's talking and she has the same and dialogue. she always cleaning something up <laughs> she... i'm sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> she's always cleaning something she's always up. cleaning something up i mean damn i hope i hope when octavia spencer goes home she don't clean up shit I hope she she's like never, someone else is cleaning. For the rest of her life, she needs to hire white people to clean up behind her. <laughs> because in every movie, they make her clean up on the set. I mean, in the shape of water, she had to clean up blood and all type and of and fingers, fingers and I mean, toes. Wow, she she. I'm t- not doing it. Up. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know what's funny, what's really funny to me about that one? What? It's like I remember when we recorded that, and in the moment. It didn't. It didn't feel no, it didn't. like it didn't hit us. <laughs> like immediately, it didn't feel like no, oh, we just dragged we the just, shit. Like we were just talking. It was just like oh, ha ha ha. No, and then with that playback in the end, though, <laughs> that, that cutting yeah, room floor. When I was when I was editing that episode, I remember I, I was sitting next to you on the couch and I had headphones on and I was listening and I was editing the audio. You know, I was being all really precise about making sure everything, everything sounded sharp. And that part came out, and I think I literally fell out. You fell out. I think I literally fell out. I was like, what's wrong? (laughs) Are you okay? And I had to play it for you. (laughs) That you fell out with me. She's always cleaning something up. She's always cleaning something up. She's always wiping a counter. She's always holding a mop. (laughs) It's like they just feel like the most natural setting for her is in the janitor's closet. Bitch, she don't have a makeup counter over where she lives. But but let's let's also for a second let's also give give some credit to the secondary drags of that because there were a lot of secondary drags. <laughs> number one, the fact that we listed so many movies where she was playing the same character. Yeah. Uh, number two, where where uh, I I pointed out that she always wearing flowy clothes. Always. Um, and number three, what was it? What was it that you said? Oh, you were talking about uh, the insurgent movie, and you call it straight, straight flick to, to Netflix urgent. Straight, straight to Netflix urgent. <laughs> Listen, like those said, movies are terrible. They are. They are awful. They, they were, are. They were so bad. They, they said, "Ooh, we can't. We can't even do the last one." Imagine being the top movie in the world and then going straight to blockbuster. Mm. Mm. Come Not on, boom, 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 honey, Shailene, mm. mm-mm, mm-mm. put it away. 
This podcast is supported by generous donations from listeners and readers of our mom and dad's web magazine, watercoolercombos.com. You can stream the show on Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. When you listen, please consider hitting that heart button, sharing, giving us a five-star rating, and leaving some dope comments. This helps us with our page rankings and gets more listeners for the show. Thank you so much. And we're back. We are back. <laughs> this is a really fun episode. I know that last segment. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't listen back to your episodes because you don't. And then you do. And you're like, wow, something's wrong with us. Yeah. And you realize these are things that I put out into the world. Yeah. And other people have heard as well. Actually, something's more wrong with you than me. But yes, definitely something's wrong with us. You can say that if you, if you want. It's you definitely. More the than listeners me. know the truth. It's definitely you more than me. So I'm, I'm going to move on now. <laughs> let's go to this the second uh grouping of our favorite moments we're going to talk about our favorite intellectual moments so i gonna, love this we're going to straighten up a little bit okay. stop being silly for a moment can we put on our our, our murder or voice i don't well, fuck do with murder, murder, but but uh we do have our, our professional or verse <laughs> So we're being serious. Oh, I'm so sorry okay go ahead go ahead do okay it. we're gonna do this okay uh-huh. we got it all right so Favorite intellectual moments. So I'm going to do mine first. Mine was from episode 22, um, a really great episode, one of my favorite episodes of all time. Um, not the favorite, but one of my favorites. Mm. It's the one where we talked about millennials and interracial dating. Yeah. Um, I, in particular, in particular, love this episode because we had a whole roundtable of people. It's the first time we had an actual roundtable of people on the podcast with we us. We did. Um, and we got to, instead of just saying what we think about everything, actually ask other people and have follow-up questions and have a whole dialogue. I thought it was pretty amazing. It was really dope. I have had an experience and I can't believe this didn't kind of immediately come to mind when I was in Miami, um, with my ex who was half white, half Indian and sort of read as maybe Hispanic, maybe white passing. When we were walking together and some men kind of came up behind us and one was like loudly sort of like, I should be with her. Yeah. And so, and there was also, I think, an experience we had in New York, a man said to him, like, I'll kill you or something to that effect, right? Or something violent, something threatening. Um, and he was very sort of disturbed by this. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shocked this didn't come to mind immediately. Um, but yeah, no, no, seriously, just because, just because I, I mean, it's, it's just being used to men sort of calling out calling out to you in public mm. and being horrible and having to just kind of be like, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and not thinking anything sort of of it, but that direct sort of threat because you're perhaps with a black woman, you know what I mean? And so I don't know if that's what this guy is experiencing and I don't know really kind of what to say about it. You know what I'm saying? Other than, you know, you just have to fucking brush it off. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Cause they can't do anything to you. They can. I mean, they can, they can, you're right. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know why I'm sort of, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going into this territory, you have to be able to deal. And I, I feel that the world should be different, right? <laughs> Does that make sense? Why is, is that it, bad? Why is it a territory? Because it's the world we live in. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it, it's just the reality. You so have to not date people. That is not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, but clearly. I know clearly, right? Um, it's not what I'm saying. But I just feel like there are so many like worse problems with racism. And that one's pretty bad, huh? Um, 
Maybe cut out the second half of this. I just, I mean, I think though that was like a disturbed person who was just like hanging outside. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the first one's pretty bad too, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just feel I like mean, to your point, like if, even if it was just a disturbed person outside, yeah, I think it it makes it very real. So yeah. even if you could look at that and say this is just someone who's touched and right. you know, they just clearly need some mental health attention, it does make I think especially for like we were saying for someone that might not have really conceptualized that type of a threat of just being outside before, right? It becomes very real because then you can say. What if that wasn't a disturbed person? What if that right. was just one of these people we Who see on TV with a MAGA hat yeah. on? You know, what yeah. if it was, you know, it could be anything. It, yeah. it makes it very, very real. Maybe I should have been more sensitive at that moment. <laughs> I, I don't, but I, I don't, I don't know. Well, once again, not, not a, a person who's been in an interracial relationship, but I don't know if that necessarily means that you should have been more sensitive. And I think we've talked about this before, especially on the podcast where, being black in America is like trial by fire. Right. You're born into this world. Right. And you jump in and you just got to figure the shit out. Right. And so I almost kind of feel like hearing about that experience, it's like, this is real. We still got to live. Right. So now you got to, you just got to figure this shit out and keep moving. Right. If, if, if this is not something that works for you, then clearly this relationship's not, not going to work for you because I can't change that. Yeah. But it's a, it's a very real thing that people have to contend with. Like, yeah. it's not. You know, we don't live in a fantasy world. Like, you have to really come to grips with right. what it does mean by the people that you choose to be with. Yeah. I love that episode. I think I also really love it because uh, you and I have not interracial dated. And people have very, very different experiences. Like, yeah. very drastically different experiences. And some good, some bad. But I think, I think hearing about... Folks in in interracial relationships who are the black person in that relationship and their experience is something that was relatively new for me in recording that episode. Yeah. I think we had always thought, I think most people think about the non-black person in the interracial relationship because mainstream media society tells us to center the experiences of non-black people. Yeah. So when we think about interracial dating, we think about how the experience must be for the white man or the Asian man or the Asian woman or the white woman. Right. But this was a moment where I started thinking about the black person in that, in that situation and what it must feel like to be the black person who's already seen in public as deviant and criminal and not belonging, but then also now having this billboard on your body that says, Hey, I date outside of my race and here's my non-black partner. Like I've never understood that. Yeah, and you're right. It's it's never the thing that's centered, and I think I think that was, that's what was so interesting about that episode was really hearing those things from you know from people's direct mouths of what their experiences were, and I think because you know no one had their partner there, yeah, it was very it was it created a very unique space where everyone could say what they were thinking and what they were feeling and what their experiences were, and. There was no person to pivot to. There was no person for us to look at and go, oh, I feel sorry for this white person who, mm. who now has to understand a little bit of how hard it is to be black sometimes, right? It was really focused on like, look, these are black people. Right. And they already got it hard because they're black. And then they decided to date someone that's not black. And now look, that's an extra thing right. that they got to deal with. Right. It's so interesting. I mean, now that I'm dating again, I feel like maybe I should dibble in the dabbles. Dabbles in the dibbles. Oh. So that I can understand. You're going to dip the toe? I don't know. <laughs> See, now I said it. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared as hell. Oh, no. 
I mean, you know, and this is something that I have to talk about, you know, when I think about me and dating and being on these dating apps and the fact that I do not swipe right on anybody who is white ever. I just don't do it. I may swipe right right on someone who is non-black, Asian, people of color, you know, nondescript, ethnic, Latinx, you know, like I, I push it, but I've never been on a date the non-black person. I've mm-hmm. never dated a non-black person. And I think it's because for me, those are the non-negotiables. Like those are the things that I don't want to deal with. I don't, like I already am a six foot four inch big booty tattooed black girl with a bald head and who looks very, very queer and handsome. Like I don't need these problems. Mm-mm. But also I'm not super, anyway, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that's that's what was so good about about that episode was having that conversation. I also love secondarily that the the whole reason that we did that episode was because we had a question from one of our listeners. Right. And and that's what I love so much about that episode too, is I feel like it was so much more intimate. Yeah. Not just with the people in the room, but also with the people listening. Right. And they are still listeners. Just so you know, Michael do and his now wife are still listeners and they are on our Patreon and they are probably our most loyal podcast followers. And Shout I'm, out to you. When I'm, as I'm recording this episode, I'm like, we need to hurry up and get this shit out because I know Michael's waiting for this motherfucking episode. <laughs> so thank you, Michael. I appreciate you for always being there to remind us that we late with our podcast episodes. <laughs> it's coming. Now. Thank you. It's coming. So, okay, now let's move into my favorite intellectual moment. Uh, mine is actually from the episode where we talk about how important sleep is for black folks. And I think the reason why I chose the Black Sleep Matters episode for my favorite intellectual moment is because I learned so much on that episode. Like I did not, I think, I think anecdotally, we understand that there are differences in how we rest how we sleep how we live how we eat how we build community like you know there are there are ways that we as as folks of color black folks um we understand that we are inherently different from other groups right but on this episode i feel like we had stats data research lined up to show this is not myth like this is not made up this is not folks's uh feelings and perceptions This is measurable scientific health outcomes that are directly traceable to folks' access to sleep. And that fucked me up. It fucked me up. So let's go ahead and listen to the clip from the Black Sleep Matters episode. Let's do it. As we all know, I like my facts. I like to do my research. You do like facts, big facts. And obviously we came we came into the idea for this this podcast because we want to talk about how we don't sleep and how it's a problem. Yes. And then I thought, oh, let me do some research. And I was actually really stunned because <laughs> I did not realize how bad this was. It's really bad. Like on an aggregate level, when you think about racial minorities yeah. and how sleep affects us, like you were saying, it makes sense to a certain degree, like yeah. when you really, really think about it. But I think a lot of times people think about sleep and they think, oh, you know, I just be working hard or, you know, I don't sleep well or. You know, I toss and turn and stuff at night. But there's some real serious effects that people are are having from sleep on an aggregate level. Yeah. So I pulled I pulled a couple a couple data points here. Yeah. That I just want to share with everyone. Yeah. Um. So Tiffany, Yip, a psychology professor at Fordham University, um, she studied the sleep gap between white and non-white students, beginning with children as as young as two years old. Wow. So 
when we talk about a sleep gap yeah. and, and how sleep actually disproportionately affects people, it starts at two years old. Yeah. And so when she when she looked at this, she realized that there was a 15 minute a day sleep deficit. And that 15 minute a day sleep deficit actually grows to more than an hour in adulthood. That's terrible. So when you think when you think about, oh, you know, I only got three, four hours of sleep last night. Think back to when you were a child and realize that the lack of sleep you're getting now probably started then. Yeah. And as you think about that sleep gap on the aggregate as it grows and adds and adds like how many just sheer hours of sleep you have lost out on compared to somebody else right and when you talk about this my first thought is like all my nieces and nephews and like their sleep patterns and all the kids that i've been around all growing up and like how they sleep or don't sleep and part of it is because their parents are working or their parents don't have consistent living you know situations or just like they don't have a consistent household or a routine that allows them to have a set time of sleep mm-hmm. every single day. And it's making me sad just thinking about the numbers of children I've been around all growing up who have been affected by this difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and then also think about, you know, as, as adults, sometimes we don't sleep well because of, you know, stress or pressure, pressures that we face during our lives. And, and think about that as a child, you still had similar stresses and pressures yeah. that as, as minorities are higher than those that are non-minority. Right, right, right. right. Um, another another thing I looked up was um, the National Sleep Foundation did a study. Um, and it, they found that racial minorities have a higher risk for sleep disorders like insomnia and a higher likelihood of sleep apnea, poor sleep quality, and daytime sleepiness. Wow. Um, what makes this even worse, though, is that black people spend only about uh, 15% of their night in slow wave sleep compared to 20% for whites. And so when you think about sleep, you have to remember that there are a bunch of different phases that you go through during your sleep cycle. Um, and that slow wave sleep is called the restorative phase. Mm. So when you think about the think about that way, we're also having poor quality sleep for the sleep that we are getting. Yeah, less of the time we spend sleeping is actually restoring us and preparing us for the coming day. This reminds me of that weathering hypothesis that talks about how Black people are basically subjected to certain forms of stress and anxiety and racial discrimination over the course of their lives, and it has these kind of intangible effects on their lives that you can't measure like you can't see them happening but then you see something like this that's clearly there's a difference happening you can't figure out what it's attributable to but it's like this is weathering right this is the process of your body kind of being slowly broken down by the weight of the world because of the mere fact of existing while black the stress of having to work in a place where people are talking about you because of your race or who undermine you or think you don't belong there or going to a school where you're the only person of color or one of the few people of color and they think that you're not intelligent enough to be there or that you had affirmative action to help you get there or you're going out every single day worried about a police officer mistaking you for whatever that you're just literally walking down the street in probably a neighborhood where you actually live. Like the process of dealing with that anxiety and stress and tension every single day and what it does to your body, that's what that difference to me looks like, you know? Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a silent tax, you know, it's like a silent killer. Wow. And if if you really think about it, like like we talked about it from childhood, from from two years old. Yeah. That's you know, people are feeling these effects. Yeah. And so when you think about Oh, all of the health issues that, pe- that that minorities tend to face. Yeah. And how sleep, especially restorative sleep, is about your own health and yeah. keeping your body strong and being able to fight certain things. You start to realize, okay, it makes sense that, that a lot of minorities have sp- particular health disparity issues. Right. right. And so, and when you think about it, and actually this is the other thing I looked up, many of the health issues that affect racial minorities at higher rates like obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, 
heart disease and stroke can be linked with poor sleep or undiagnosed sleep apnea. Yeah. And that's, that's one other thing that I didn't really touch on too much here as well is that, you know, um, black people tend to have a lot of sleep apnea. Yeah. That actually goes undiagnosed as well. Yeah. And I, and that's, that's one of the things that actually really is kind of disturbing to me, um, is because that's one of those things that has an adverse impact on your body. Yeah. And what, just like we've seen in other health issues where things just go undiagnosed. And so you compound all of these things that are going on inside one person's body. And some of it is caused by external factors, like literally just walking around and having to, to feel threatened at every moment of the day. Yeah. And then you're not getting enough sleep. So you're not then better prepared to, to go back out into the challenges of the world the next day. Right. And all of this, like I said, it just compounds over the years and over the years and over the years. And like you said, it's, it's like a weathering mm-hmm. that occurs. It's funny because, well, it's not funny, but I was thinking about it as you were talking, I was thinking about how people like to put up those bullshit memes where it's like, look at these two kids. Here's a black kid and a white kid and they know nothing about race and everything is equal. And, you know, it's all of us adults who, pro, you know, pro project all this racial stuff on the children. But then thinking about this data, it's like, no, at two years old, this is a child who's already having a difference with that little white kid in terms of what their access mm-hmm. is to just getting sleep. And they already have a predisposition towards certain diseases just because of the racial makeup and the long history of racial discrimination in the United States. So even those those memes, which we already know are bullshit, we already know that they are just like propaganda. But beyond that, like there are actual measurable differences even in childhood. This episode is one of the first times we started talking about uh, social justice issues without really prescribing or providing um, an approach to address it. So maybe we should do that here. I think that maybe now we're in a different place where we can have that conversation. You know, I think for us now, we are really deeply committed to things like meditating and therapy and journaling and, um, you know, collecting our rest. I mean, I take more naps now than I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's really important. I think on this episode, we were talking about, oh my gosh, look at the gap in our sleep. But we really didn't say, you know, how to, how to address it. And I, and one thing I think is actually really important. Oh, we did actually. One thing we did say that I think you said on that episode was that um, you can lose sleep, you can miss sleep, but those naps actually really matter. Like a 30 minute nap can recoup like seven hours of missed sleep. So One thing I will say, and this is not no nap ministry bullshit. This is not no like self-care trademark TM type thing. This is actually some real shit. Like collect those naps. Like that has changed my life since grad school. Like being tired and then just laying down because I was tired. Like, wow, that is life-saving shit. Mm -hmm. So I will say like, you know, I hope that folks listen to that episode with an ear to the ways that they can address the deficit and do better. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's the whole point. And I think that's one thing I love about our podcast is that we do bring these facts and this information because I feel like the the battle is two fronts, right? It's number one, knowing what the actual war is that you're fighting, right? Mm -hmm. Like people, we can walk around this earth for who knows how long, not knowing that there's this deficit, right? right? And there's so many other things that we try to bring light to on, on this podcast that, you know, we just don't know as a collective all the mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm. And so number one, we have to educate ourselves to know these things. And then once we're armed with that knowledge, do whatever we can to fight back. Right. And I will say, I agree with you. This nap thing, it is, it's something I have probably for the majority of my life been 
adamantly against and thought, oh, that's just people that just don't want to do old. stuff. <laughs> you know, oh, that, you know, naps are for lazy people. Naps are for people who, you know, lead leisurely lives and they just have time to just lie around. And it has been life changing for yeah. me to say out loud, I'm tired. Right. My body doesn't want to do anything anymore. I'm going to lay down and rest. Absolutely. It's so simple. It's so rudimentary, but it is so vital mm-hmm. to our health and our well-being. And I, I recommend anyone that's listening to do that, to, to do the things that are restorative to you, whether it's rest, whether it is exercise, whether it's, you know, just, just taking a break and doing something leisurely and not working hard for every moment of the day. You know, I feel like, especially as black people, we have this like grind culture of grind, 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 get your mm-hmm. money, get your money, mm-hmm. you know, get, get that come up, whatever it is. But, you know, there's a cost to that. Yeah. And, I, and I think just as important as, as it is to go out there and chase your dreams and, and try to build a life for yourself, you also have to take time for yourself as well. Absolutely. You can find my mom and dad, a.k.a. That Black Couple, on the web at thatblackcouple.com. That Black Couple is owned and operated by Color Convos Media. If you would like to help fund our content, sign up at www.patreon.com slash media. Please consider giving $5 or $10 per month to help us build our platform and grow our organization. You can also give one-time donations at www.paypal.me forward slash watercoolerconvos. All donations are welcome. Okay, so let's, we're back. We're back. We're back. Let's get into this final, final section, which is our favorite episode overall. And I chose an episode where I was talking my shit. This is the exploitation of black women's labor, the erasure of black women's labor and work episode. And I really love this episode because, so (laughs) I'm trying to figure out how much information I want to give. So no, I, I would say I would say don't give too much information because if you want all the information, I mean, you can I feel go like back. I should say somebody's name though. I feel like I should say somebody's name I mean, though. You, you can you can name check a little so bit. This I'm, happened, just, I'm just saying people can go listen to the whole episode. Yeah, this is the whole, the whole episode. But Cliff Snow's version of this is yes. that Mina Harris, Kamala Harris's niece, blocked me on Facebook and called me a troll because I asked a question about the use of the phenomenal woman phrasing on her clothing without crediting Maya Angelou. Mm -hmm. I thought it was quite strange that there were t-shirts that said phenomenal woman and nothing on the shirt said Maya Angelou at all. So then I was like, does this go to Maya Angelou's estate? Is there any, anything and there was all this argument. Like she was like, oh, I'm giving to young girls who A, B, and C. And, I'm, and I was like, wait, so this doesn't go back to my Angelou's estate. And I got blocked and called a troll and a, a slew of light skins. What is the group of light skins called? A gaggle? An annoyance? An extra. <laughs> I think a gaggle of light skinned women who are upset at dark-skinned women should be called a co-optation no a co-optation i like co-optation i think i think you can do better but i think that's a good place to start maybe a a a a basic Hmm. an almost 
An almost. An almost. Okay. So, so a community of almosts came out and tried to, and I say tried to drag me because almost doesn't count. Ooh. And they tried to drag me on behalf of Mina Harris. And all of you should Google her immediately right now because she is phenotypically white. She looks like a white person because most of Kamala Harris's family looks like white people because they are, they are white. They're, They're white people. So I was like, okay, I'm so confused because here I am an actual factual black person who looks black all the time. Like, I look black in my sleep. I look black in a box. I look black with a fox. Yeah, you will not be misrecognized as non-black. I look black black. on a train. I look black in the rain. Mm -hmm. I look black some I am. I do look black. Because I am. Weed is legal in New York State, y'all. So, all I'm saying (laughs) is that... This is the episode where I was like, you know what? Let's talk about black women's labor being exported by these phenotypically white people and actual factual white people. And we have to be honest about the fact that even when folks have the greatest intentions and when they have the platform and the well-meaning and the, and the, and the fans and the almosts behind them, they still can be doing problematic shit. So back in July, um, I think it's July 31st, was Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And I believe that that Women's Equal Pay Day is April 18th. Women's Equal Pay Day is the day when white women would have to work up until that day to make the same amount as the average man would in the preceding year. So what men made in January to December of 2017, it took white women, the average white woman, up until April 2018 to make that same amount. Mm -hmm. But it took black women on average up until July 31st, right? So it took three more months, additional months to make that uh, same amount. And so on Black Women's Equal Pay Day, you saw all these phenomenal women shirts. You know, for people who know Maya Angelou's work, who are familiar with her, it's like, oh, that's lit. What is that? I got excited. I saw these phenomenal women shirts. I'm like, oh shit, why out here living it up? I hope this is going to her, her uh, estate. I hope I'm about to put some coins in Maya Angelou's family's pocket. Like phenomenal woman shirts, that's got to be going to Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Then you dig deep and you find that all these phenomenal woman shirts are being sold by not even black people or not even phenotypically black people. Like, so when you think about Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou's like this six footer. My Angelou, thick-waisted, kinky-haired, big lips, dark skin, queer as fuck. And proud. And proud. You know, ex-sex worker, grew up poor, wrote all about that shit. And so so I've always had this kind of kindred thing with my Angelou because, like, you know, I'm six foot four, grew up in the hood, kinky hair. I was like, yeah, this woman is brilliant. And she's a, you know, she's a possibility model because she's got these, like, wide hips and these big feet. And she out here and stunning and like not and not phased by these like European beauty standards and these ideas mm-hmm. of what femininity should look like. And and becoming a U.S. poet laureate. And becoming a U.S. poet laureate without copying somebody else's poetry. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, post-mortem, we have people taking her most iconic work, putting it on a shirt and then selling it. And then not even having you think that it would say like 
in quotations and then put dash my Angelou. Her name's not even on the shirt. Nope. And of all of all days to sell this shirt on Black Women's Equal Pay Day. The irony and the gall, right? And then and then you see who's wearing it. And, you know, we see Listen, Hillary Clinton got one on. Hillary Clinton <laughs> had one. It was a bunch of white girls I ain't <laughs> never seen before. I was like, who that white girl? Who's she doing? A phenomenal woman's shirt. And then you're like, this is not for you. Nope. My Angela was not writing to you. She was not writing about you. This was not yours. And this is the commodification of black women's labor. This is the commodification of black women's work. And it's like, you do this after someone has passed on. How do you, how do you do this and not feel like shit? How do you do this and not think, wow, I am literally fucking scum. How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do it? And how does your community let you do it? I think this is something that I really want to get at with this because when we have folks like Mina Harris who have created now a whole brand and business off of Maya Angelou's words, how do we have folks who are behind her, the almosts, cheering her on, clapping for her and saying, yes, this is how you do it, sis. It's because they want to touch the hem of the garment. That is so concerning to me. And I'm not light skinned. As you all know, I don't understand how the light skins live their lives. I've never been to light skin dosha. I've never, never been. touched the shores. I've never touched the shores. <laughs> it's, I, I sense a theme in this episode. I don't know. How, I don't understand the logic of being light skinned. But I know for me as a darker skinned black woman who's been this darker skinned person my whole life. I feel viscerally disturbed by the notion that I would participate in co-opting and stealing work from another black woman. And the thing, the thing that really, really got me a hold on this. a deceased, yes, na- internationally recognizable, laureate level celebrity black woman who had to work as a houseless person to support herself and her family in order to become who she was. And I am just Mina Harris, a well-to-do, white-passing, white-adjacent, lighter-skinned, white woman who happens to have a politically accessed aunt who claims to be from Oakland, who's from Berkeley. So many black people have done so many amazing things. Wow! And you said I'm gonna go to the top. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach to the top and, and get just steal her. One shit. of the best known, and yeah. I'm just gonna make money off of that. Yeah, and I'm just gonna go. What did my Angelou say? Phenomenal woman. Let's steal that. Hey, you know what? I probably never actually read the whole poem. Right. I'm a woman. I've probably never read her actual. I think books, I'm phenomenal, and I probably don't give a fuck about her or any other black women writers, poets, feminist creatives. <laughs> I probably couldn't be in a black feminist trivia game to I mean, save my fucking let's, life. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you read the poem. Nigga. But also, the, like, the, per, the, pe- the people that are using this don't match the description but of also, the people in the poem. This, but this gets at Kamala Harris, too. Let's talk about it. Let's no, talk about it. No. This gets at Kamala Harris, too, right? Me and Kamala Harris were born in the same hospital. Kamala mm-hmm. Harris was born in Kaiser, Oakland. She uses that historical fact to suggest that that means that she's from Oakland. Bitch, no, you're just born into an area that has very few hospitals. We have two hospitals. You are from Berkeley, California. Your family is Indian. They don't want shit to do with us. 
you come from a South Asian family and your South Asian family in the very hyper segregated Bay Area had nothing to do with black people. Nothing to do with black people. Let's repeat that. Nothing to do hey, with black people. And, the, and that's and that's not to undercut that just because you're from a different minority doesn't mean that you got it super easy. No. You live on East Street. No. But you also ain't black, though. You're you, just you not really black. You don't fuck with black people. You're not phenotypically black. But Kamala's a little bit different, right? We're talking about Mina Harris, who, if you see her from the street, looks like a white lady. Looks like a white lady. And every time you say anything to her, she goes, I am black. So we had to talk about the differences and what it means when you can walk down the street and pass as white. When you, when when passing is something that you do regularly, when at most you look spicy, when at most you look a little seasoned, you look seasoned white, you look, you know, white light or something. I don't know. I mean... I'm so tired. I'm tired of the Harris's. I'm tired of the Kamala's. I'm tired of the Mina's. I'm tired of all of it. But I think that Kamala said everything that she needed to say when she put them fucking chucks on and that camouflage jacket. She did. That's all she does. When she put them Tim's on, when she put some shoes on from our hoods, but won't use them to step into our hoods. She told us everything she needed to tell us. And Mina is her fucking niece. She'll step into your hood to arrest you though. She will. No, actually, she won't step into the no, she'll rescue. someone else. She'll send some people, <laughs> and she might send some black people to do it. But she won't step into your hood to arrest you. She's not stepping over them lines into Oakland. Mm-mm. She probably can count on one hand how many times she's been to Oakland proper. The one time she was born, mm. she she probably been been there a couple times. I mean, she did she did have to you know go and sell herself. Driving through does not count. You shut up, you know, kiss some babies and and. She's not Way kissing no Oakland babies. Them bitches would <laughs> pin plat that bitch. <laughs> Ain't no Oakland babies fucking with Kamala Harris. Moving on. <laughs> Listen to the episode. Listen to the episode. But I think it's funny because to this day, to this day, Mina Harris has me blocked mm-hmm. on Facebook and calls me a troll because this was years ago. So I'm really wondering how she engages with me going forward. Because I'm like, bitch, I'm a whole fucking author and professor. So if I'm I sitting here don't. giving, if I'm offering you this criti- this critique about your choices and asking how you make this choice. It comes from a place of, of intellect. It comes from a place of deep wisdom. And at what point do we hold light skins well, responsible to that, intellect and wisdom of black folk? And that's the thing too, right? Is there's, there's this belief that if someone asks you a question or if someone is critical of the work that you're doing, that you believe that they are trying to undercut you. Right. And that's not, no. What this was. No. Uh, most times it's not. No. The spirit is, I'm trying to understand what you're doing. I want to understand. And if you're doing something wrong, I want to be able to say that you're doing something wrong. And I also want to give you the opportunity to correct it. Right. And also, and let's, th- and let's say one more thing about this shit, because it's, it's honestly getting on my fucking nerve, if we're being honest. Your trauma and your inability to walk in reality does not mean that other people are not able to physically understand the world as it exists today. All it means is that we have to have grace and empathy for one another as we do it. So Mina Harris is a person who, y'all can Google her, does not look black, okay? That's it. Me saying that, does it make me a bad person? 
It doesn't make me a shithead. It doesn't make me racist. It doesn't make any of those things. It doesn't make me jealous. It doesn't, it makes me a person who can physically see Mina Harris and who knows what black people look like in a society that has an idea of what blackness is. I'm not talking about my personal ideas because I know that blackness comes in all manner of shades, shapes, sizes, colors, and creeds. I know that there are people in my family who look all different ways with freckles and red hair, all type of shit. What I am saying is that we understand how criminality, deviancy are affixed to dark skin in this country and globally. So we cannot sit here and play this game and act like people who are fucking iridescent and transparent and see-through have the exact same experiences as people like Darren and I. So if I bring that up and say, hey, you need to be accountable and you need to be enough of an adult to have that conversation. That's the first part. The second part is, if someone brings that to you as a black feminist who believes in freedom and liberation and is asking you about how you comport that truth with the work that you are doing to use the words of another black, very phenotypically black person with very black features, wide set nose, big lips, gap teeth, very high cheekbones, big booty, big, big hips, big feet, using that person's work to, to build your own career, you have to be accountable. It has nothing to do with somebody being a troll. It has nothing to do with somebody being jealous. Bitch, I got my own shit. And I actually don't want to be you. That shit look mad boring and hella vanilla. That shit look like it tastes like unseasoned chicken. I'm good, boo-boo, over here. But what I will say is that even launching those critiques at someone like me comes from a place of massage noir. It comes from a place of saying that there's no way I could critique someone like Mina Harris without it being just me hating because I'm jealous because I can't be her because her life is so great. And secretly all the dark skinned girls, we sit in circles and we hold hands and we say, oh dear God, make us those light skinned girls like Mina Harris. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, we are not doing that. I promise you. And while we may have when we were children because we saw that society rewarded y'all for being basic bitches, we grew up and, and became adults and realize how fucking dope we are and how sad and insecure you are because you don't understand your own blackness because your proximity to whiteness confuses you. And we said, no, we're good. Keep it. I promise. My distance from whiteness brings me joy. Every morning I wake up and I go, I'm black. I go to my plants. I say, "Mm, y'all black. I love that shit. I don't wake up in the morning like, oh, I wonder if some days, some some of the days, I think I'm a, I'm a white lady. I don't have to worry about that shit, bitch. But you do. Kiss my ass, girl. <laughs> you, you coming out the soapbox now? Oh lord. You feel better? That been on my chest for years. You got, you got it released. I'm so mad. You got it out. I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so tired of light skinned girls being like, the truth is, is that we have it so hard out here because y'all are jealous. Bitch, you have it hard because you're stealing shit. <laughs> Mina Harris, stop stealing shit from my Angelou, bitch. That's why you got it hard. That's why niggas is mad at you. That's the weird part to me. 
Let's talk about the thing you did. Let's call a thing a thing. We don't have to talk about none of your personal problems with black women. Move the fuck on. Grow up. How old are you? Are you 35? How old are you? That's what therapists are for. That's what therapists are for. And I have one, okay? My issues with light-skinned girls from elementary school, I can talk to my therapist. And I guarantee you, we're not talking about it because I don't fucking care no more. But I did. I will tell you, I did. I was like, oh, my hair not long. I did that for a good, what, two, three years in elementary school. Okay, we did that. Now, moving the fuck on, bitch. Stop stealing shit. (laughs) Jesus. I need to take a breath. (laughs) All right. I'm going to close it out. I'm going to close it out. I'm going to move to my favorite episode overall. (laughs) And to be honest, it's... It's in a similar vein, but uh, my favorite episode was episode... Why am I sweating? Because you heated. I'm mad. I did yoga this morning, and I cooled down, and now I'm hot again. <laughs> <laughs> this is upsetting to me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. My favorite episode... <laughs> my favorite episode was episode 18, entitled... Do good work and don't be trash. And like I said, it's in a similar vein (laughs) to your favorite episode of the Erasure of Black Women's Work. Because I I love this episode because I feel like this is, you know, this is this is one of your your credos that you you got. Mm. And I remember when you told it to me so many years ago, I was like, it's just so it's so on. It's just it's just so direct and to the point. It's like go out into the world. And just do good work. Yeah. Don't go out into the world and try to sneak and scheme and steal and slip around mm. and find a loophole and sneak under and, and hide in the shadows. Get shortcuts. Just, yeah. Just go and do good work and don't be a shitty ass person. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Mm-mm-mm. And, you know, they say the cream rises to the top. And it, <laughs> mm. it has been proven to me over and over again. Just do good work. Mm. And don't be a trash-ass individual. Mm. It's that simple. Mm. Here we go. You know, to to back off of that as well, a lot of times, you know, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, how a lot of times if you are deemed, you know, one of the good ones, that just gives you even more power to say, Uh, oh, well, you definitely don't need to listen to anybody because you're one of the good ones. Good black men are the fucking work of the enemy. (laughs) Well, and that's, that's a blanket statement. And and I I know why you're saying it, but because I would I would argue that I am one of the good ones. No, you're not. <laughs> can I can I finish? Go ahead. I would argue that I'm one of the good ones. You know, I got one of them good jobs with the good benefits, and you know, I'm a dad, and I you know give my kids bath and make sure they brush their teeth at night. You know, and you're straight, and I'm straight. And you cisgender. Yeah, and and now, and this is this is one of those developments that's happened since we've been off. Now, now I'm cooking dinner too. <laughs> Nigga, don't ever say now I'm cooking dinner too. Now I am. So, I love that you tell on yourself. You just told the whole podcast. It's okay. We've been married for 12 years. We've been together for 16 years, and you just told the podcast that you now cooking dinner. You just told on yourself. I'm being honest, and I don't, I don't care. It's true. <laughs> I, I didn't just... cook. You're a great cook. I said, you can handle it. And then I said, you know what? You got a lot on your plate. Yeah, you did. Maybe I should help. Grad school happened, and you were like, wow, this is this is a lot. I can, I can do other things. Yeah, I can be a whole human person who f- makes food. But the problem with that is on the back end is then it's like, oh, 
you're so great. You don't have to do anything else. So, so the reason why I said you're not a good black man, the reason why I said that is because I often feel like the good black man narrative is not only wielded by the black man himself, but also the society around him. Yeah. And I think that while other people have projected that title onto you, and maybe when you were younger, like in your teen years, you, you sat comfortably in that. I do think that as an adult, you have said, I'm going to challenge that and I'm going to struggle with that. And I know that I'm flawed and I know that I have privilege and I know that I do some fucked up shit, which to me is really important. So I, I understand what you're saying about like, you know, you would be deemed a good black man. But I also think that one of the key components about that type of mythology, that type of stereotype is that if you're sitting in it and saying, nah, fuck that shit. Like, I'm not trying to be that and I'm not, I'm not going to take that. That's, that's not good enough for me. That's also significant. I love that episode. I actually think that's really dope. And I'm really glad that we're ending on this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. To me, what's embedded in this whole, like, do good work and don't be trash thing is also a level of integrity. And that's what's really important to me. And it's always been important to me, even as a child. Like, there's something about, I remember when I was a kid, I was like 11 years old, and I I looked at the word integrity. And it was talking about the ways that we carry ourselves when nobody is looking. And I was like, oh, shit. That shit, that I've never forgotten it. That integrity is about whether or not we do the right thing when no one is looking. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole like do good work and don't be trash thing to me is an articulation of having just this innate integrity, having this moral compass that no matter if there's an audience or people there that can say, oh my gosh, you did that. You're so good. Oh, yay. I, I want to be your fan now. That you still choose to do the right thing. That you still choose to show up because it is the right thing and because you you genuinely give a fuck, right? And I think that there are times when we are challenged, right? We recently went through this shit, mm. right? Niggas who listen to the podcast knows that there's been multiple partners of mine who've been on this podcast. A most recent partner who has been on episodes of this podcast, who you will never fucking hear on this motherfucking podcast ever motherfucking again, never ever, ever never. again. And you know what? And even in that, I can hold space and grace for that person and know that I never want to see them again because the right thing for me to do is to ensure that that person has housing, food, safety, and everything they need over the fuck there, over yes. the fuck there. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing is like, I think that there are times where folks want to perform goodness because people are looking and people will give them credit. And then when the times get hard, when the road hits the fucking, oh, I forgot this hand turn. When rubber, the rubber hits the, the road. rubber hits the road. I fucking str- I struggle with this one. one this one's hard. It's like, does the road hit the pavement or does the pavement hit the rubber? Which one's happened with the pavement? The rubber and the the rubber and the tires. So the rubber, I get this part. I get it intellectually. (laughs) Like the rubber hits. Anyway, I get them mixed up. The whole point I'm saying is that when the rubber meets the road, when when folks are tested and challenged, when they are put through something that that makes them face their own traumas and triggers, do they still choose to be good? Like, do they still choose to do the good thing? Right. And do and do they still choose to do the good thing when there's no one there to say, bitch, you did that. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times I'm learning. I'm learning the hard way 
that people don't. A, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't. And it's it's funny because you know coming off of the <laughs> your favorite episode, it really it's really about accountability, mm-hmm. right? And so there's accountability to the world, there's accountability to your workspace, there's accountability to your partner, there's accountability to your family, there's accountability to all these different things. There's all of those types of accountabilities. But then you also have to be accountable to yourself. It's that, that it's that at the end of the day, when you look at yourself in the mirror, can you be proud? Right. Can you feel good? Can you can you feel like you did right. Mm-hmm. Can you feel like you were honorable? Mm-hmm. Do you have those feelings, or do you feel like, oh, I I cut that nigga off mm-hmm. on, the, on the on the street because I could I want to get that parking spot? Mm-hmm. Or, like do like is is that the feeling? Is, are those the things that you see looking back at you mm-hmm. at the end of the day, or can, at the end of the day, can you look back and feel like whether it, whether the world saw me or the world didn't see me, I did the right thing. And I agree with you is I feel like the older I get, the more I see how rare that actually is. Yes. And it's very saddening to me. Yes. But it also makes me realize those people that do have that self-accountability are just fucking gold. Yep. You keep them motherfuckers forever. They are, they are precious diamonds. Yep. You know, <laughs> especially, you know, in the black culture, because of the things we've talked about, because life is so hard. Because you're not getting all the sleep that you need, because the world is out to get you, mm-hmm. out to get you, because people are stealing your work and not giving you credit. Yep. Because all these things are happening to you yep. every day since birth. Yep. Since utero. Yep. Since you weren't even on this earth. Right. And you weren't even a thought, and your parents were intergenerationally, and then it flowed in the down DNA to you through the DNA. Yep. Right. <laughs> because of all of that stuff, if you still, at the end of the day, can yep. choose to be accountable. Yep. I mean. <laughs> Bitch. You done won. You won. And you know what? Those are the people who I choose to be in community with. The people who still choose to be accountable, integral, and to move with intention and to reduce the harm that they put out into the world, even when it's fucking tough. Like, those are the people that I want to call my comrades. Those are the people who I want to call my friends and my family. And that is why my community is so fucking tight. That's why my shit is so fucking locked. And that is what I demand of the people who are around me. Because you know what? That's how the fuck I show up. And that's the thing. You model that for people in your community by being that, right? When, you, when you're in community with people and you're doing shitty shit, you draw in shitty shit people, right? People who like shitty shit, who are like, oh, that's, let's go back to Mina Harris. Right? Like them almost that are kicking it with her. They're like, ooh, let me get my come up too. Let mm-hmm. me see what Audre Lord said. I guarantee you it's some people who's like, let's skim through the black feminist literature I know that and does. say who's see whose quotes I can steal. And I know that they're doing it because people have stolen my shit. I can't I will never forget I hopped on this light skinned girl's page on Twitter and looked in her header and it was a quote from me. And I was like, bitch, is that me? <laughs> I was like, Your your header is me? I don't even know you. I don't even know you. How can I possibly be the thing that you need in your header to tell people who you are? Isn't that wild? And, and didn't attribute it to you at all? Well, it, this one at least had a quote that said it was from me. Oh, it did? This one actually Ooh. attributed it to me, which wow. was which was interesting. Wow. Right? But also, still, don't put me on your fucking page without my permission. Don't do that. Don't, don't make me into a meme. Who does that? Who makes somebody else into a meme and makes it fancy and does a hashtag with your organization on it and then puts it on your page? And I'm still sitting here very much alive and you follow me on Twitter. That shit's strange. 
that's, like that's just strange. But like I said, people want to touch the hem of the garment. No, they bitch. see it come up. They see someone who has something. They see someone who would figure something out, and they think, "How can I just study up underneath no. you and have the the trickle down effects of whatever you got?" Here's what I will say as we close out this episode: like our episodes, our our conversations, we we like to joke, we like to have our goofy moments or whatever, and we do that to make you know light and and be lighthearted about things that are actually very serious and very tough to navigate as black folks queer folks, parents, you know, folks who have been in multiple positions of class, you know, poor, working class, middle class, whatever the fuck we are now. And I think that what I want uh, want folks to take away from this episode is that the body of 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 the episodes, the co- the collection of what we've put here is conversations about how to actually be better humans, right? How to know what folks are navigating and what they're going through, whether it be romantic, whether it be personal, whether it be emotional, whether it be mental, whether it be in their parenting life or their work life. And how can we take those things into account? But then how can we also be able to turn a mirror onto ourselves and challenge ourselves and do better, right? Like be better humans. I really want folks to sit with, there's this whole culture right now. This Brene Brown courage culture about like courage and vulnerability and oh my God, la 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 la. And that shit mad cute. But I feel like what's not there is challenging ourselves to really look in the mirror and be like, bitch, what is you doing? Right? Like it's all this courage about going and trying that swim beat and asking for that raise at work and talking to that person who you've got a crush on and telling them that you love them. Which is all self-serving. It's all self-serving, but it's all facing outward. It's all mm-hmm. about what's happening with other people. And I think that we don't spend enough time facing inward to understand that if we don't take care of the interior self, if we don't take care of what we are, anal- uh, are analyzing as who we are and what we should be doing, courage ain't going to do nothing but give us ways to go and put all that fucking trauma and work that shit out in all of our yeah. fucking professional r- friendship, relationship, romantic relationships with others. All it's going to do is give us a fucking ticket to go shit on everybody else. So all I'm asking is, this is what I'm asking in 2022, keep that shit to yourself. Okay, like whatever you got to do, keep that shit to yourself, bro. Start at home. Okay, like I'm talking to the man in the mirror. Like I don't fuck with MJ, but that shit was on some real shit. Okay, talk to that motherfucker in the mirror first. Do some meditations. Get your journal. Get yourself some tarot cards. Build you some altars. Talk to your ancestors. Talk to your spirits. Whatever you have to do. Do that work before you go out into the world and have some motherfucking courage. And that courage is sitting there obfuscating the fact that you're a shitty person. That's all I'm saying. And that is what is encompassed in do good work and don't be trash. Don't be trash. That shit ashy. Thank y'all for listening. Before you go, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ThatBLKCouple, on Facebook at ThatBlackCouple, and look us up on the internets at www.thatblackcouple.com. Bye!